So when I think of wise hope, I think of, you know, the connection I have from a higher power. When I'm spiritually fit, I feel wise hope. And what that feels like is harmony. I'm in this resentment or I'm in whatever because of what something I did, not anybody else. So the hope is I have a solution to work out of that. And the, the wisdom is spotting that it was me that caused it. special guest, Mr. Edward Taylor. Good morning. Hey, how are you? I'm doing pretty good for a Monday morning. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, doing great. Uh, we just saw each other Friday. Sure did. So not a lot has transpired, I'm sure, between Friday and Monday, has it? Just Auburn football. That's Ooh. all. Well, are you sure you want to go there? Not really. Okay. I, I don't. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to guess. Uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you now, Edward has been on a journey this year trying to... <laughs> <laughs> to discover a couple. Uh, a, one, he's been trying to kind of locate his home space in Enneagram, his type, if you will. But uh, that's alongside the tragic journey of Auburn football this <laughs> I, season. You went serious for a second. I was like, I thought he was going to make a joke about Auburn. And I was like, oh, I guess not. Oh, I'll get there. Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah. there. Okay. Don't worry about that. Yeah. I, I yeah. got plenty of those. Two journeys. Yeah. Two journeys. Yeah. And so, but, but, but the interesting thing is that as you've done your work this year uh, and tried to figure out what that doorway in is, which type, uh, and you've kind of moved around a little bit exploring it, which is really good. I, I like for people to do that rather than just take mm -hmm. a test. And um, I think what you finally landed on is, you know, I think I'm probably type four, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, four with heavy influence in heavy five. Heavy influence of five, wing five, whatever yeah. it's yeah. called or whatever you want to call it. So. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought about that because most fours, you know, really struggle with uh, or, or kind of have this uh, tendency toward melancholy. And then with Auburn football, it's like, man, that's got to be yeah, on steroids. Yeah, the perfect combination. <laughs> yeah, perfect yeah if you want to go dark and go down, yeah. just follow Auburn this year, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, usually the, the first <laughs> – uh, yeah, usually the first bad loss, that one – messes with my headspace for a solid couple of days um you know this one was brutal but we've already lost what yeah. four games yeah so, so you're getting used to it it was and just sharp for yeah. a yeah. few hours right and then, yeah yeah you couldn't really this chew is, on the darkness very long welcome right? to life as an auburn fan okay right, right, yeah. ronnie's over here laughing like come on man this it's well, the whole, the whole idea of the podcast, how's that working for you? you know, so <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, it's not. It's, it's not. not. No, no, no. Let me, let me tell you something. There was a moment. This is how it happened. This year, the LSU game, um, before that game, I was like, because I think we had just barely beaten Georgia State. I mean, it took a, oh, yeah. a, a miracle. Mm -hmm. And we got lucky on a, a call on that mm -hmm. drive. I mean, everything. Mm -hmm. It felt like a loss. And so before the LSU game, I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like I, <laughs> I, I, I need to stop. I, I want to stop caring so much about this. I don't, yeah. it's not, it's not working for me. Right. How's it working for me? It's it not, wasn't working. Um, and then guess what happens? You know, uh, another miracle. <laughs> we right. somehow win that game. Yeah. 
And yeah. so then the roller coaster is, I'm like, oh, wow, all right, we're good. So then I'm like, I want to be optimistic. And then we just start losing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, uh, folks, a lot of folks may be listening. And, uh, you know, I said in the beginning we were going through the lens of the Enneagram, but we're not. We're going through the lens it's of Auburn college football. football yeah. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> hey, that's really more important. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's really There'll be more some important. Enneagram and some recovery stuff. And right. Heroin yeah. addiction. And yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but four wing five. Yeah, okay. I identify with that. And I think part the interesting thing for the part of your journey is because um, you are what I would consider you know, pretty intellectual. It doesn't mean necessarily that you've got the greatest education or that you're smart, but you actually both of those. But uh, you're pretty intellectual. So for a while I think you thought five was the spot because – Five is in the head triad, and uh, five are deep thinkers and, and investigators and that type of thing. And so there's a lot of connection there, so it makes a whole lot of sense that you do have a powerful wing influence mm-hmm. from there in. But the, the thing I kept noticing about you over and over uh, when I was around you, whether it was Auburn football or not, was there's, there's really a depth of emotion that just is right there present with you which would be a little unusual for a type five. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about this this morning, and I think like if you boiled me down to my core, to my essence, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. I hate that I just used the word essence, but to my core, um, you'll see four. Um, but this morning I was thinking like there's a, I I will attack those emotions through a headspace pretty frequently somewhat not all the time you know because like i said if you take that away like the, again the core is 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 a four personality because mm-hmm. like i told you and and carrie a few weeks ago uh every day that i wake up <laughs> which has been a few <laughs> every <in a> day <laughs> You, how many, how many, what kind of a streak do you have going about waking up? Right? Because now people will, people think we're kidding, but in a little while we're going to tell the story of addiction. Yeah, exactly. There was a few days. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Oh God. Which days did you not wake oh. up? I, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Every day of my life. How about that? Yeah. Um, every day I, <laughs> <laughs> Every day of my life, um, as soon as I wake up, there you there go. There, there we go. As soon as I wake there up, there we go. There is a feeling, and it usually, um, it and and I think it's usually one of these two. It's usually either some sort of melancholic yearning, mm-hmm. or it is um, like wise hope. Or does that make sense? Yeah. Like wise hope. Wise hope. Um, one Love of those it. two. That's those are the two most common ones. There are others, of course. Yeah. Fear, anxiety, um, yeah. excitement, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's usually one of those two, and um, most of the time, I just kind of ride it out throughout the day. It, it does guide a lot of my decisions for the for the day, um, but there are there are kind of like pockets throughout the day where I will kind of slide over to the five wing and kind of work through it with my head from a mental space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and that's, that's 
that's the case for every day. So. Okay. Well, good. That's uh, and that does sound very forish, especially the idea of that yearning and that melancholy. Mm. But even the idea, what did you call it? Wise hope. Wise hope. Okay. I want to, yeah. Ronnie, write that one down because we need that one. I, I've never heard that. I've atoned yeah. for my comment about waking up every day. <laughs> yes, you did. You actually did. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, because one of the things that is very typical for the fours I know, whether they're clients, friends, recovery, whatever, or just even in the literature, or out in the wider world with fours is this whole idea of melancholy and, and even the idea that fours kind of enjoy chewing on melancholy. They'll just keep chewing on it for yeah. a while, which again, as I say, it's fortunate for you that you're an Auburn fan because you've exactly. got a lot of fodder yeah. for that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So tell me Saturdays every fall. Yeah. You can count on some melancholy, mm-hmm. right? All right. So um, think about that in terms of, your life when you think back, okay, without trying to, you know, read something backwards into the story that mm-hmm. wasn't there. But has there been a fairly deep sense with you when you think back as far as you can of kind of maybe being different or not fitting in or something just is not right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> since as far back as I can remember. Well, my, you know, my earliest memory, it wasn't there. The earliest memory was I was maybe like, two or three, um, but starting when, yeah, so born and raised here, uh, Birmingham, and when I was uh, 12, excuse me, I transferred schools, and I will say this, you know, something happened then, because before that, my original school, um, I don't have many memories of feeling strongly one way or the other okay honestly i mean yeah. every and, and everything like in my childhood was fantastic you know never wanted for anything mm-hmm. whether materially or immaterially um but when i transferred schools um that first since i mean i was in my parents room um and i think i was like playing video games or something because that was the only tv and my mom comes in and, and tells me, and um, that was like my first sense of just overwhelming head-to-toe emotion in my life that I recall. Hmm. When um, she told you you were going to change school? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and, and it was a, a bunch of different ones. You know, it was because before that, I'd only had kind of like child emotions, you know, like, oh, I didn't get what I wanted. I'm, I'm pissed off. And then it goes away when I give a juice box or something. I don't yeah, know, yeah. you know, like, or I'm happy it's Christmas and then I'd fall asleep or, you know, whatever. Um, and, um, and that feeling didn't go away, you know, it, that feeling, um, of just overwhelming emotion. So it could be different emotions, but it never stopped after that. Okay. Um, and so when I ch- uh, transferred schools, um, you know, even a little bit before that, I, I started to feel uh, out of place. Um, and I also started to notice that, like, um, I just seemed to see things differently from other people. Or um, everywhere I went, like, people were understanding something about life or they already understood years prior something about the world that I'd, I'd never experienced before. I didn't understand. Uh So it seemed like everyone else was 
having something or, or getting something different from life. Okay. So like what it looked like there sound like this, maybe that some of those folks you were seeing, they seem somehow to manage life. Okay. Or they oh, got yeah. it. Yeah. And you were somewhat envious of that in a way. A little bit. Yeah. 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 A little bit. Um, mostly. Not uh, necessarily envious of how they did it right. or who they were, but, they but just that they could make it work. Yeah. 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 Yes. That's accurate. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty accurate. common for fours yeah. is this idea that I'm, kind of special and unique mm. you don't really look that special and unique but somehow your life is actually working yeah and yeah. there's a little bit of an envy in there. you're calling me special and unique or, you know, pay, or atten- pay attention that. i was speaking in the third <laughs> oh my god okay all right <laughs> so the the idea for most fours in fact the what they would call the the passion or the emotional besetting struggle for fours is envy mm but it's a it's a real subtlety to mm-hmm. it. It's not like you walk around saying there's a material thing that I yeah. want. It's more that how do you make it's, life work? I yeah. can't quite make it work. That <laughs> and I'm unique and you're yeah. not, so I should be able to make it work. Yeah, right? it's like you're a salesman for four, and, and you're selling me on because yeah, that that sounds very familiar. Okay. <laughs> well, and I don't uh, I don't want to sell it. Uh, no, 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 you. I, I just want to see if it's, it if it, I want is it your experience? It resonates. Right. Yeah. Because yes, I have to absolutely. be careful because I am a salesman. Yeah. <laughs> My wife says I won't take no for an answer. Yeah. I just repackage and resell it until yeah. somebody says yes, mm-hmm. leave me alone. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I want to be careful not to place those things in folks. I know it's got to be your experience, not, not my absolutely. description of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And again, the, the, I, I joke about that, but you're 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 very knowledgeable on Enneagram stuff. I'm not. You know, my first real exposure to it was when I started working at the APC. Mm-hmm. Before that, I didn't pay it any mind. So, yeah. you know, yeah. that's why when I'm looking for you to say stuff, mm-hmm. whether it's for four or for five, I don't think I'm any other things at this point. I'm pretty sure it's four wing five. Yeah. But, you know, I'm looking for little nuggets like that. So, yeah. anyways, uh, yeah. Yeah, envious, not of, I don't care what kind of car someone has. Yep. I don't care where their house is, how much money they have. Um, it's that, that's that, I don't know if this is a word, but that smoothness they go about their day. Yeah. Um, the, it's just, it's easy peasy, you know? Um, and not even the sense that like, oh, they're so chill or whatever. It's just, it's just easy. Yeah. For them. Life works for yeah, them. And I work- can't quite, they get worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the melancholy. Yeah. That's the yeah. deepest part of the melancholy. We yeah. we kid about the other sources yeah. of melancholy, but that's really what the yearning is, the distress mm-hmm. for the heart types, twos, threes, and fours, but especially four, this distress over this yearning mm-hmm. for that. And yeah. it's almost like they, if they think about it, it's almost like they're disconnected from their source mm-hmm. uh, or their origins, yeah. and they can't quite get their way back to it. Yeah, But, but they know... They know somewhere. You mentioned the word essence a while ago, and which is really important in this work. The whole idea of how your created essence was, and fours, all types to a certain extent, but fours especially. Uh, it's kind of like there's this journey, heartfelt journey that they're on to try to reconnect to their essence mm-hmm. and and the source of that, mm-hmm. and uh, their frustration with that, <laughs> and, and so it it tends to be. Often, for most fours, uh, depends on the t- counter type and subtypes and that type of thing. But there's usually this journey of uh, kind of 
high emotions and low emotions mm. really range. There's a range that can happen in a few minutes. When you say so, a high and low, do you mean happy versus sad or intense versus either, low key? Either or, or okay. both. Have you experienced any of that? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, again, it's not that any person or any type can't experience that, mm. but it seems to be really predominant with fours mm. that they are they can be uh, – uh, on these, get really low and be okay with it, but then mm. spring back into to real highs or happiness. But they tend to want to tend to kind of stay almost in a sadness. Uh, does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. For me, I don't. I, you know, that's that's where um, it makes me feel even more like a four because. Um, and it's helpful to hear that because it, it doesn't always feel melancholic. And I know what you're talking about. I do. Um, yearning is probably a more accurate word, but you know, then I can I can get even more specific. It can be an optimistic yearning. It can be a pessimistic yearning. Okay. Um, yeah. I know. I definitely know what you're talking about. And from the outside looking in, it definitely seems that way. And, and it's not. It's that's accurate. Um, or is you know it's mostly accurate, but sometimes you know it doesn't it, it doesn't feel like a sadness, so to speak. Yeah. It feels yeah. more of like a you know well, like I said earlier, wise hope, I guess. But I, I want to explore that because I love that term, but I think there's a lot to that mm-hmm. as well. W- one nickname for fours is the holy bringer of beauty. <laughs> Holy bringer of beauty. I'm totally a four. <laughs> <laughs> totally a bring the beauty. Yeah. Bring the beauty. Yeah. All right. So I let's so actually, so uh we'll go back into your story yeah, because there's yeah. there's a there's a big change fixing to come uh after the shift, you know, kind of that shock point. They might call it at uh, around twelve of oh, okay, yeah. you're going to another environment. Uh, oh yeah. And so uh you began to struggle mm-hmm. internally. And that led to eventually seeking out a way to make that feel better. Yeah. So how did that turn out? So, um, yeah, I was, and actually I need to back up. I was actually like 10 when, um, when the the whole school change happened and everything that I talked about earlier, I was probably, I was closer to 10. Yeah. Um, so I get to the new school, um, and that's when I really noticed that everybody else is just gliding through the day. Okay. You know, gliding straight through it. Um, they're not. They don't seem to be. Um, yeah, they're just gliding through it. That's, that's a good description of yeah, it. And yeah, it, and it's not something I'm getting or experiencing or anything like that. Again, just thought I had to wait my turn for that. Or okay. once a string of events took place, then I would get it. You know, whatever. But eventually, um, I got tired of feeling that way, you know, and, um, I smoked pot for the first time when I was 12 and, um, you know, it's interesting. I, a lot of people say you don't get high on your first time. I definitely did. Um, and the interesting thing was I didn't actually, and this was the case for me all the way until I got sober. Every time I smoked pot, And I smoked a lot of it. Uh, I never fully just loved the way that it made me feel. In fact, sometimes I really didn't like it, except for the fact that while I was high, I was not worrying about that yearning. Yeah, that that not being able to glide. Not being able to glide, not, you know, noticing everybody else experience something that I'm not, nothing, that was gone. Yeah. Um, Even if I hated the way, how I was intoxicated, 
Um, it still it, it still, still took, took away that other away. Oh, you know, suddenly that's my big. focus was on I really don't like the way this makes me feel or maybe it was somewhat pleasant and I was hungry or you know something was funny or whatever. So that happened and of course my my first thought was okay. Well, that worked. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that worked for my my problem. Um so then uh fast forward to I think I was either 15 or 16 and I got drunk for the first time and that was different um than the the pot experience because I loved the way that made me feel um and it really took away um that feeling that I just talked about earlier mm-hmm. um then you fast forward you know it, and I use this analogy of of like always look at that yearning it's almost like i was always looking for that missing piece of the puzzle yeah well that's that's a that's a great phrase because when you talk to most fours or you read the literature or you explore their life with them uh there's this whole concept of fours are always thinking there's something missing Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it's a little different than the type one who's always thinking there's something wrong that needs to be corrected Mm -hmm. the four says there's something missing yeah yeah um you know, so the, it's funny. I'll take that analogy even further. When I smoked pot, it was like I found the piece, but it wasn't it wasn't fitting. You know, but it covered up the the spot for a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then I got drunk and like I would, I, you know, I found that piece and it mostly fit. I kind of had to jam it in there a little bit, but it it wasn't smooth. You know, like it okay. was. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you look at a puzzle and. Yeah. Some toddlers made it, and they just kind of jammed a piece in there. It's not the yeah. right one. Um, so you're better. still, so you're still on a search. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, right? yeah. And yeah. then that search <laughs> comes to an end, so to speak. When I was a rising senior in high school, uh, and I tried opiates for the first time, um, and that was, you know, first of all, it was the best I'd ever felt physically emotionally, I wouldn't say spiritually because I didn't have any spiritual life up to that point, maybe a little bit. Um, but physically, emotionally, mentally, mm-hmm. the best I'd ever felt in my life. So if we're going with the puzzle thing, it, it's almost like it was it was no longer a bunch of different pieces. It was it was just one picture. One thing did it. Was it. One thing. It was there. Yeah. It was complete. One picture. So as, as you think back, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but as you think back then when you found opiates and started using, did it kind of feel as if that I'm gliding now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, definitely felt that way. Um, you know, with with a an awareness that it was kind of manufactured or it was not an organic kind of glide, but suddenly I was like, damn, okay, this is – this is what other people are feeling all the time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I know they're not, not everyone's high on opiates right. all the time. Yeah. But, like, this has got to be what they're feeling. Everything is just Yeah. Nothing's smooth. missing. Nothing's you missing know, nothing's right here. Nothing's missing. They okay. just go about their day. Um, and, and they can talk to people. Um, they don't care if they say the wrong, you know, it. Just, yeah, you fit in. Yeah, fit right? in, you fit yeah, in. Yeah, you you feel a part of everywhere you go, or you can with time. Um, you know, because that was another thing too. Is like, um, you know, and that's and I love the the phrase and from the big book, restless, irritable, and discontent. Yeah, 
so perfect. Those three words just nail it. But, oh, yeah. um, but before that, you know, I just never felt. Um, you know, it's funny when you say that. I uh, I think in threes a lot now. I don't know exactly why. Part of it's my Enneagram training and depth work because the Enneagram really is a series of threes, endless threes. But so, so now when I hear threes and I think back to other things like irritable, restless, discontent, so I start trying to figure out like, okay, what? Which triad would that be? So I'm like irritable, that's in the bodies. Oh, right, right. the ones because yeah, of anger, right? And yeah. restless, that's over in the, that's in the that's, twos, threes, and the fours in the, the heart. Oh, heart? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just yeah. I was saying, oh, and then okay, and then okay. discontent. You know, uh, maybe over in the in the mind. You know, now I'm not I'm I'm not saying that's where they belong, but I started thinking about those kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's yeah. just useless. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so found that piece and then of course, um, you know, that, that's, so that, that began to expand, right. When you went um, off to school, yeah, to college, to Auburn, to Auburn. <laughs> yeah. There we go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Boy, the yeah, pl- our, we, I feel like Ronnie, we need some music. Like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I always try to ask people like that go to, like other than going to Auburn, what was your greatest mistake? I in life? That's but, how but, I, yeah. You've used that on me a few times. All right. Right. But yeah, I think, you know, I see it coming. If I hear you start, I'm like, Nope, Nope. Not going nope. there. Yeah. Which I could tell you in, in, in the story, it'll come out what my greatest mistake was, but it wasn't going to Auburn, that's yeah. for sure. Okay, um, you, you're going to stick with that. Yeah. Okay, all right, okay. Yeah. All right. I'll yeah. pray for you. All right, so. Yeah, he's like, fours can lie to themselves really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, get to Auburn, and um, basically all throughout high school, even before, because remember, I, I discovered opiates when I was a rising senior in high school, so. That was not a crutch that I had for the, you know, freshman, sophomore, and junior. Um, But throughout all that time, it was because I couldn't stand that for essence, I guess you could say. Actually, it's not the essence. It's actually the anti-essence that you're struggling with. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. whatever it was, I was struggling with it. Um, And so I found those unhealthy coping mechanisms, those crutches, chemical crutches. Um, and I just relied on those. So I get to Auburn and, um, you know, I'd, I'd struggled really bad, a new level of struggle, kind of like February through April of my April of my senior year of high school, got into some trouble trying to steal opiates. And, um, you know, basically, I, I, I mean, I was caught red-handed, literally. So I basically just told excuse me, my, my family, my parents, like, look, you caught me, no denying that, you know, um, take my, my everything, my keys, uh, cause I had a car, my phone, my whatever. Um, and I meant that and I, I didn't have a choice anyways. They did, they were going to anyways. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's great because that's what we were going to do. Yeah. Uh, um, um, but basically like I, I had, really gotten good at figuring out how to smoke and drink without getting caught or without any resources to do so. So I just increased that um, until I got to Auburn. And I remember very vividly, um, my parents took me to Auburn. They helped me move in. In those first five to ten minutes or so of when they left, um, and it was just me because I don't think my roommate had gotten there yet, uh, it was this 
first it was this overwhelming tidal wave uh, sense of being alone, like fully for the first time in a totally new place. Um, and all the emotions that came with that. And then after, you know, like I said, five minutes of that, I was like, where can I find opiates? Um, you know, and I don't know. I think part of that um, was because, you know, that those strong emotions came on and I wanted to kick back at them. They were, they were there anyways, and I mm-hmm. wanted a, a way to work through them or feel better. Um, but also just because I had been waiting to get high on opiates, <laughs> you know, for several yeah. months. Yeah. So... Uh, I actually didn't have success, which is mind-blowing to me, um, finding opiates. I mean, here or there, I would find maybe one or two uh, when I first got to Auburn. So basically, I just I could easily find everything else, so I did everything else under the sun, um, substance-wise and, and party, whatever, you know, everything else. Um, and then sophomore year when I was at Auburn, I had a back injury, and everybody who's listening to this is probably like, oh, mm-hmm. I know, yep, you're I know right. where this is going. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. Um, so the floodgates kind of opened there, and so that was 2012. And um, 2012 to 2015, the, those first three years, you know, it was slowly but surely getting worse and worse because – I first, um, first my, the actual prescription was for like Lortab, mm. you know, and I took that and I, and I played the game with myself of like, oh, I'll take just a little more than prescribed and I'll take it almost every four hours, you know, and so I'm basically managing it. Um, that plan didn't work very long. And then I was introduced to stronger opiates and, and that was like, you know, you stick with the puzzle analogy, a bigger piece or an even bigger picture that was even better. Um, and so, you know, those first three years, consequences start to pile up. But I did have the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the credible excuse of my back being messed up because it was pretty messed up and I did yeah. have to have two operations. So, so you could keep getting prescriptions. Yeah. And, and keep getting refills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can keep elevating even the type. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, I, you know, um, I did. I was able to do that. Um, you know, but doctors, um, if you call them seventy times in three days for a refill of a prescription they gave you, start catching two days or you know four days ago, they're like, okay, was, <laughs> wait a minute. You know, that's where they're like, okay, well, we're not going to, we're just going to cut you off. We're not going to actually, you know, try to help you or anything. Anyways, um, uh, so those first three years, you know, consequences start to pile up. But I, I, I think it was like year two of that stretch. Um, I experienced the first time where I finally found like a, I don't want to say reputable, but like a, a reliable drug dealer and i remember meeting him and in his car he pulled out i mean it was like a uh a gigantic sack of opiates pills not heroin at this point we're getting there um (laughs) and he said you know uh hit me up we keep these on deck which is slang for like i have these all the time and I, i had two thoughts my first thought was Yes, you know, finally. Finally found it. Looking for this damn dude for like 
two years, you know, and then immediately after that was I'm screwed. That was the next thought I had because I realized at that point I couldn't say no. I, the cho- choice was was gone. Yeah, the combination of not being able to say no and now an unlimited source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just met. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting that at the same time that you uh, were like, okay, yes, now I've got the source, mm-hmm. what I've been looking for, but there was something in you that says I'm screwed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so fast forward, maybe a year, um, serious, well, somewhat serious consequences start to come up. You know, I would really good, great girl in my life. Um, she's gone, you know, school is not happening. Family's tired of me. I'm stealing from them more and more. Um, and then, uh, just a quick funny story. I, I used to, Excuse me. I went to Barnes and Noble to meet my drug dealer. I didn't have any money at that point, but my strategy was, um, and this this is a, I was already I had been doing this manipulation for at least a year or two at this point, but my strategy was, um, I, I was more concerned about uh, the dope actually being there and being available. Once I found out it was, I didn't have the money. I just told them, yeah, come on and meet me. So then I called my parents, and I was like, hey, um, you know, I, I owe money to this dealer. They know where y'all live. If you don't send me money right away, they're going to come to your house and rob you or whatever. Um, worked the first few times, and then it stopped working. And then it was interesting. This day, <laughs> um, they my parents basically said, yes, they said on one condition, if you go out and visit your brother who's in California, cause we were going to go out there for Christmas. Uh, they were like, if you go out there maybe a week early, yeah, we'll give you the money. And I was like, well, you got it, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Seemed like a pretty good deal. Yeah, absolutely. I love California. I mean, yeah, let's do it. Um, didn't know at the time and they were legit. I got the money, got the dope, whatever. Um, they were actually going to do an intervention with me because my brother was in treatment at the time. In California. We in California, so we were going to visit him. Um, <laughs> and didn't really put two and two together. When I got there, I was like, something's off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, because um, I, like, went to visit him, or he got, like, a pass, but we went there to the, the, the uh, treatment he was at like the second day I was there and everyone knew my name and they, they, they were <laughs> We've been always, waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, We've got your room. Friendly. Yeah. I was like, this is weird, man. I don't, I don't know what it is yet, but something's not normal right now. But, um, anyways, so they tried that and I, you know, even though I was aware deep down that I was in some serious trouble, I was, I, thought for sure I could get myself out of it on my own. Um, I've, I've felt that way and I meant it. You know, I was, I thought it was the truth at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I had never experienced trying to get out of a situation like that before everything up, up to that point in my life, I'd mostly been able to get out of the maneuver through. Um, yeah. so that's our I problem is, myself. uh, yeah, we, we still feel like we've got manageability. Yeah. The first step talks about the unmanageability of life, but mm-hmm. we, in denial, we still think we're managing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and some people, 
their journey in recovery ends there. They understand that they don't, not for me though. You know, I, I just, I didn't feel that way yet. I thought somehow, some way I could do it. So, um, so I eventually go to treatments for the first time. Um, you know, and still like I, I did, I would finally understand, well, for the most part understood like how serious my issue was, but I also still fully to my heart thought that I could do it myself. I had no experience in my life otherwise. So why wouldn't, why mm -hmm. couldn't I get out of this myself? Um, obviously didn't work. So after like five or six months, I relapsed, um, you know, and at that point I'm starting to maybe realize like, okay, maybe, maybe I can't, <laughs> maybe I can't get out of this myself. Maybe, maybe, maybe not fully convinced of that yet. Um, so I then go on and use for maybe six or seven months and things are just getting worse and worse. Um, did you have a point? I know for my son's story, Matt, and he allows us to tell this, but but he was off at school. There was a point fairly quickly for him where using uh, prescription opiates that were either stolen or prescribed or borrowed or <laughs> however you want to look at quickly uh, became uh, a needle in his arm with heroin once he figured out, once somebody showed him, say, look, you're spending way too much time and money chasing <laughs> yeah. pills, right? Yeah. Did you have that experience where some at some point you realize, okay, this this is expensive, yeah, all time-consuming, mm -hmm. and there is an alternative? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was actually about to get to that. Um, so that's after I went to treatment for the first time, in, somewhere in those six next six or seven months, uh, tried heroin for the first time and it was, you know, I was like, how much is that? Like 30 bucks. That's it. Like, you know, one of those pills I was buying was 30 bucks and that was just one. Yeah. This is like several of those for 30 bucks. <laughs> this makes sense. <laughs> good <laughs> you know, economic makes, sense. Yeah. Right? Perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you're a good businessman, sir. <laughs> um, so <laughs> what a deal. Uh, yeah. What a deal Do, for me. Yeah. You know? Um, so, <laughs> so was there a difference for you in your experience when you began using heroin over the other opiates? Was there a significant difference to that for you? Um, yeah, there was, but to be honest, um, not that I wasn't honest just then, but, um, what was more, uh, my experience was actually delauded. Okay. Um, yep. was when that was taken to a whole new level. Um, and also, you know, that was actually delauded was the first, um, opiate I'd used, uh, intravenously or IV. Mm -hmm. So, um, but we'll, we'll get to all that. So, um, but I'm not at this point in between the first and second rehab attempt. Um, I haven't used a needle yet. Um, either swallowing or snorting everything. Um, and I go to treatment for the second time, and that time was different because I actually reached out for help. Um, nobody was on my ass telling me I need to go get treatment or, or else or, or this or, or that. Um, you know, my family un unfortunately had experience with people in addiction and recovery, so they knew, you know, um, you, you can only do so much. You can't, there's no threat or consequence that's going to convince somebody. So I reached out for help and I got it because my family meant it like, Hey, if you want to reach out for help, we're there for you. Um, 
go to treatment a second time. And that time I was maybe like 50% on board with the, the idea that like, I can't do this myself, mm. <laughs> you know? Um, maybe so you, you still that. hadn't hit that sense of powerlessness. Right. Yeah. No, I had not. Um, and, uh, maybe even like 60%, but, um, you gotta be 100%. That's yeah. the issue. Yeah. Uh, eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Otherwise you still figure you can get back in yeah. control some way. Yeah. yeah. Um, eventually maybe not, you know, I wouldn't say to someone who's in early in recovery, if they don't feel that way yet, that's fine. Absolutely. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, some days, even now at four plus years of sometimes that creeps, it's down to, you know, 80% or whatever. But, um, anyways, um, relapse after maybe five months um and at that point it was very close to that total powerlessness experience but at that point too um you know so now by the way we're in like early 2017 like january-ish um and uh you know those last up until july so january to july however many months that is six or whatever um very quickly got to a very new depth of hell basically for me you know dope sick dope yeah, oh dope sick had been going on for a while but i just mean spiritually and emotionally i mean um i finally had those experiences where i wanted to stop but i couldn't okay um you know i i would wake up <laughs> there it is i would wake up every day uh cuz i'm still here and I, but i would wake up and I would say, okay, even though I did that yesterday or the day before, today, today, this is the line I'm not going to cross to get high. Uh, I'm not going to go and basically clean out a family member's home to get money. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to manipulate whoever in the way that I did yesterday, which was just evil. I'm not going to do that today, you know. After maybe five or ten minutes, the, that line was gone. I was already over it or I didn't care about it anymore. Yep. Um, and so, you know, that, that takes a toll on a human being, you know? Um, and so after a couple of months, you know, suicide started to enter the internal conversation, I guess. Um, cause like you said, it's not just dope sick anymore. There's no. a spiritual component, mm-hmm. physical, mental, emotional yeah. in all those areas you're going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to, unless you've experienced it, uh, it's really hard to explain, or describe that depth, you know, um, usually if you meant, you know, suicide comes up and, and when you can, when you can talk about that, that, that seems to help people understand a lot. Um, because it's not, you know, at that point, you know, we, I, we all, you know, we talk about like social media addiction, um, you know, food addiction and all those things are serious. Um, but this just seems like it's it's way it's it's miserable, you know. It's, it's touched every part of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we're at that point, um, and eventually, so, um, so that that feeling like the suicide was getting a, seemed like a better and better idea over time. Um, I mean, at this point, and and I had long passed actually getting high. I wasn't getting high anymore. I was staying unsick mm-hmm. um i had stopped getting high the really the only time i would get high 
um, after the first time was after I'd been clean for a period of months. That first time, yeah, I absolutely would get <laughs> very high because um, my tolerance had reset. But um, at this point, that's not even happening anymore. Yeah. Um, I couldn't even... Yeah, it was not high anymore. Yeah. It was unsick. What what had been the solution to the problem had become the problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so now we're in July of 2017, and I only had one dealer that would still mess with me. Um, and that it was a Friday morning. He, I called him, and he was like, "I don't have any right now." And I was like, okay, well, logical follow-up question. When do, you, when do you think you're getting some? And he was like, it's going to be Monday morning. And I was like, ah, oh, damn. You know, um, I was like, Monday morning, for sure. He was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, well, I don't have a choice, you know. Um, and I thought to myself, like, I've detoxed against my will for longer than three days, roughly. I can do this. It's going to be absolutely miserable, but I can do this, you know. So that's what I did. That weekend, I just champed it out, I guess you could say. But something happened. So one of my favorite things to do when I was dope sick was get in the shower, turn it on, the, turn on all the way hot, and just go until the hot water ran out because – um, it was the only way for me, at least, to feel better. And you could also, if you needed to throw up or have diarrhea, you were in the tub, you can just do it mm-hmm. or the shower. Um, but something happened. I was sitting there, and, and again, I'm, I'm at the lowest low I've ever experienced. Um, and I know I could go out there and, and dig it even deeper, but at this point in my life, that's, that's the lowest I've ever been. And I was sitting there, and something came over me it, the best way that I can describe it was uh, a crystal clear, like, feeling packed with, like, a, a thought that was spoken to me, I guess you could say. Um, and it was basically, there's a way out of this, or, you know, um, this is going to stop, or there is hope, or that was what it felt like. I was going to say, was hope involved? Yeah, 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 yeah. there was. Um you know, and that I consider to be my first contact with my higher power. Um, but it went away, you know, because I was, God's not going to come down and take away my dope sickness, you know. Um, dope will, but God won't. <laughs> so uh, it went away, but I was like, that was weird. You know, that was, man. Um, so then Monday morning, July 3rd comes around, 2017, and um, probably the sickest I've ever been. Um, you know, hadn't slept, hadn't eaten in those three days. Um, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. It was way worse than that. It was, it was like a all or just full being sickness. Um, and so I call him, he's not answering. I call him a hundred times. He finally answers and he says, um, uh, it's not going to be today. And I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, uh, I said, well, when is it going to be? And he said the worst possible thing he could have said at that point, which was, I don't know. Mm. And that's when I heard that set off a new level of panic that I'd never experienced before. So basically within the next um, three, maybe four hours, 
uh, tried to kill myself. It didn't work. And so then I robbed two pharmacies um, and um, and then eventually I did get on sick and, and yeah. So, wow. so you'd crossed every line you'd ever thought. Oh, yeah, every, yeah. every, you know, because yeah. um, at that point it, it really was survival. You know, I, we, I like to say that before that, it felt like survival to stay on sick, and there's there's an element of truth to that. But this was full blown. Yeah, there was I had to get on. Sick. So even to the sense of deciding once the attempt at taking your own life didn't work, now the desperation goes deeper and deeper. Yeah. Even the idea of plotting out and planning a robbery. Yeah, yep. I didn't even I didn't even really plot it or plan it out. I just I wrote a note. Um, I. I I didn't want to hurt anybody. I didn't have any plans to hurt anybody, honestly. Um, so I went in there. I didn't have a weapon. I, I didn't have a mat. Not, I mean, I just I had to get on sick. I didn't care if I was going to get caught. My I, I was, but my concern was, can I at least get on sick before, before I get caught? Before you get caught. That's what I care about. That's how about. desperate. I don't yeah. care if I get caught. I just yeah. need to get on sick first. Um, and so, the, you know, the reason why there are two is because the first one gave me that's I just wanted it once. I wasn't getting greedy. I promise you. I just had to get on sick. The first one actually gave me vitamins in opiate bottles, which yes, you're allowed to laugh at. Um, and so then the, then there was a second. And here's a little um, bit of I don't know if you want to call it poetic justice or irony or whatever. But in between the first and the second one uh, robberies, that is, um, I didn't want to do that again. I was like, that's. God, you know, I, I didn't, I hated that the the robbery attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was still trying like hell to avoid doing that again. So I actually hit up an, an old dealer that wouldn't talk to me, or we didn't talk anymore because I ripped him off. Um, and I was like, hey, man, I re- like, I'll pay ten times market price for it. I don't care. I've got the money. And that was the other thing too. I had money. Like I was trying. To find somebody to sell it to me, I didn't want to go rob a pharmacy. Um, so I should have known when this guy was like, "Okay, yeah, I'll meet you." <laughs> should have known that that was a red flag. Uh, but of course, in my mind, I, I, they, that did come up, and I was like, "Whatever, maybe he's having a good day." You know, <laughs> maybe Johnny drug dealer is having a fantastic Monday morning, and he would love nothing better than to get me unsick. So I go and meet him, and he robs me. So, so, All right, well, so I, I want to I recap your day so far. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Let me see if we got this straight. Suicide, pharmacy right. robbery, robbery by a drug dealer of me, right. and then after that, another pharmacy yeah. robbery. And it's That's like correct. one o'clock in Monday, the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, <laughs> yeah. it's wow. Yeah, I think the Edward's second, excellent adventure. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think I think the second robbery was like maybe three o'clock. I'm really not sure. I know when the first one was, um, but after that, it's even more of a blur um, because I'm still getting sicker and sicker. Remember yeah. that. Yeah. Um, dope sick wise. So anyways, the second one, I, I get robbed by the, the dealer. Um, and the second one happens and I walk in there and I'm still really nervous. I don't want to do it. And I'm like, tr- I'm calling every dealer I've ever dealt with. Excuse me. Um, I probably had like 200 outgoing phone calls within that time frame. I don't want to walk back there and do it, but it was clear to me finally I don't have a choice. So I walk up to that 
uh, it was a pharmacy tech, and I handed her the note, and I immediately put my hands up, and I was like, I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to come back there. I'm not going to touch you. I'm not going to touch the pharmacist. Just please take that to the pharmacist, um, and I'll be right here. So she did that, handed it to the pharmacist. She read it, and she looked at me, and at that point, tears were just flowing down my face. You know, I, 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 she, I looked at her, and I kept my hands up, and I was like, please, Put all that in a bag, make it quick, and I want, and I'll get out of here. Um, and so that's what she did. And then I left, and I still remember how much, you know, air quotes relief I got in the car. On the, of course, I'm going like a hundred miles an hour because I just, uh, again, I didn't care if they pulled me over on the way back. I just had to get unsick that once. Yeah, I didn't care. I was like, I, I would have. I was even thinking in my head like how long, like you know, preparing to drive, like evade the cops if they found me for at least five minutes while I could get on sick. And then I'd pull over and be like, you, that's it. I'm done. Um, so now you fast forward, like, so I, I, I go to jail, detox in jail, um, which is just a all around 10 out of 10, five star experience, of course. Um, I get I get out, um, and um, then I actually had an opportunity somehow, some way to finish my degree at Auburn. So I taught myself the remaining coursework, turned that in. The second I hit submit on the last test or um, paper or whatever, um, I went straight to treatment, and that was September first, two thousand seventeen, about two thirty, two forty-five, and I've been clean and sober since. Sweet high five! So, yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, it was all me. I didn't have any help. It was <laughs> <laughs> right. I, just I just like when you were using it. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's all I did me. All of it. It's yeah, all of it. It's all me. Um, no, uh, that's the point. It, um, despite how hard I, I can try sometimes, anything that works is usually not me. <laughs> yeah. You know, not it's getting better. You know, I'm getting wiser, but anything that really works and keeps me clean and sober and serene. Yeah. It's usually not my idea. So what do you think uh, when you look back four years ago, when you, when you began to hit those bottoms and then it would go deeper and there'd be another bottom and another bottom, what do you think clicked when you went away to treatment that time that didn't click before? You mean the third time? Yeah. Well, I'll be honest. Okay, so here's my experience. So <laughs> um, nothing really clicked at first, I'll right, be honest. Right. The first – You're still in control. My, yeah, well – yeah, but Thinking. also I was terrified of what was going to happen to me with my legal situation. Okay. So the first month and a half or so, that's all I I, I ran on fear. Okay. Total fear um, because I didn't know what else to do. Um, I didn't want to relapse. I didn't want to use. But, yeah, again, it was foreign territory to me as far as how do I let a higher power run my life? How do I turn it over to a higher power how do I trust these other people? How do I follow directions and, and listen with while someone's giving me some advice and not think that they're criticizing me? All that stuff. So I just ran on fear, but guess what? That ran out. Um, and so as far, as far as being like my source of recovery, still was fearful, mm -hmm. but I had worked the first and second step with my sponsor, and I was in sober living at the time, and I was on the third step. And I came home one day either from work. I came home to sober living either from work or treatment, outpatient. 
and um, it was it was done. I had a, I was at my first wall, or not wall, but kind of like turning point or decision point. Um, and I was miserable, and I was like, you know, why don't I just try this whole turn it over? You know, and it Trust was a very process. very yeah. emotional intense experience and i'm glad that no other of none of my roommates were home because i was balling and and pacing and and for those uh, that are not familiar with the 12 steps the third step would simply be we made a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of god as we understood god you're right. You're right. You're right. right. It wasn't all. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah yes. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Good choice. Yeah, I think I have some work to do. No. <laughs> yeah. So we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, I had, that was, it's weird. I don't know if it is, I don't care, but like I have favorite steps basically. And for a while it was the third step because I did, the best way I knew how to turn it over that day, that moment. Um, and I had some relief, you know, um, it was kind of a, that pure relief that you get from, from recovery when you're working a program of some sort, mm -hmm. but it was relief nonetheless. Um, and I finally, for the first time, you know, I get emotional just thinking about it for the first time in years, uh, I've felt a little kind of trinkle of, or a little, trickle of hope, you know, a trickle of ease, a trickle of, um, optimism, you know? So now my favorite step is the 11th step, by the way. But, um, so then I, you know, I go through the steps and then the next up is fourth, the fourth step, of course, which is taking a personal inventory. Um, and I had done one before. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I had, some exposure to the 12 steps before I just never really worked them. Mm -hmm. I did on paper. Like yeah. in, in fact, at one point I think I made it all the way up to 11 yeah. on paper though. I didn't, yeah, I didn't see how it was totally crucial for me to commit myself to this yep. in the past is what I mean. Yep. So this yep. time I get to four and I'm doing it and I'm like, nothing, this I'm trying, man. Like I would tell my sponsor, like, dude, I'm really trying, but like, and I'm seeing, you know, it's helpful, whatever, but like, I don't know, you know, I, what's going on? And he said, well, <laughs> he said, have you done, have you inventoried resentments towards yourself? Yes. <laughs> Big one. <laughs> and I was like, no, I have not. Let me get back to you. Yeah, because the, the three major inventories generally are your resentments, right? Or, or where are you angry? Or who, who, what event, person, or system are you angry at or resentful at? The other really has to do with your fears. And then the third one usually revolves around guilt or shame, distress, could be about sexual inventory, that type of thing. So it sounds like for you going back into the resentment inventory was crucial. Yeah. 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 Specifically towards myself. So, I mean, it's interesting. You look at that. I still have that notebook cause I've done a few four steps since then. Um, you look at that notebook and you see it starts out, it's all pretty handwriting, clean sentences. And as it goes on, the handwriting gets worse. You can't even, it's like a doctor's handwriting. You don't know what the hell's going on. And then all of a sudden, the page where I did resentments towards myself, um, clear as day, but you start searing, seeing these little drops here and there. Like when you like water gets on a piece of paper, um, 
and you see drops, you flip the page, you see drops. Those were my tears coming out while I was doing it. Mm. So a very necessary pain, a good pain, yeah, um, a good sadness. It reminds you know, me of uh, there's a sadness. there's a line in in Psalm one twenty six in the Hebrew Scriptures about those who sow together in tears reap together in joy. Oh. And I always get this visual of people. And it, it really is about the story of the Jews coming back home mm-hmm. after exile, mm-hmm. right? After all their life has been destroyed as they know it and they're coming back home. But what they find when they get back home is kind of, it's not like it was and the fields are fallow and destroyed. And, and so they get this idea of them walking through these fields and crying tears down into the field mm. and planting seeds. Oh, and then right. one day they, does that make sense? Yeah, so that's kind like of what that. you're describing. Yeah. There. Yeah. yeah. I like that yeah. a lot. Um, so I, um, you know, went, went, finished up the steps. Um, and I, you know, I've worked them repeatedly since then, but just also another, you know, here and there in my recovery, it comes unannounced, of course, um, unexpected, unannounced, but, you know, I'll have these big uh, moments of, I guess the way I would describe it is clear connection to my higher, clear conscious contact with my higher power. Yeah. Um, it's probably why you kind of have honed in on a favorite right now, step 11, right? <laughs> yeah. We sought through prayer and meditation yeah. to improve our conscious mm-hmm. contact with God as we understand God, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, for example, this was probably a year ago. I woke up, had my coffee, went to sit down and do my um, read 86 through 88 in the big book and in the daily reflection. And I don't think this had anything to do with definitely not anything to do with 86 through 88, but another one of those clear higher power moments where it was basically telling me, forgive yourself. Um, you know, again, I get emotional just thinking about it and teary. I like forgive yourself um, because in the way I, and the first was the feeling. So the first is the four yeah, part of me. Yeah, there you go. First is the feeling. And after that was done, I started to think about it, the In five. The head, yeah. And I thought, um, you know, also I should forgive myself because if any anybody else, if their body reacted to opiates the way that mine did that first time, they would have done the same thing. Yeah, it's pretty common. My son says yeah. the same thing. Yeah, whatever he did or didn't do with substances, once he hit opiates, he said, "That's it, right? Yeah. There. That's the way life's supposed to be." Yeah. And he's chased that ever yeah. since. Yeah. And so you think like anybody who would finally find that answer, they're going to want that answer all the time. So yeah. like, give yourself a break, Edward. You know, like it, it, Jesus. Uh, you know, just relax. It, it happened. It's done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anybody else would have done the same thing if they reacted the way you did. Um, it's okay. You know, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. So, um, so that has been, you know, my, my, you know, I, my foundation of recovery is the 12 steps. I go to heroin anonymous, which is identical to alcoholics anonymous. You just replace the word alcohol with heroin. Um, but we use the same literature, same tradition, same steps, everything. Um, that's the foundation, you know, even below that, the, the, the bedrock is is my higher power, you know, but I met my higher power basically through the 12 steps or got to know it better. Um, and don't you think when you think back, again, I don't want to put words in your mouth on your experience, but even when you go back to that day or that morning or whenever it was sitting on the shower floor, oh yeah, yeah. right, and there's something mm-hmm. that you had never experienced before from outside of you mm-hmm. came in mm-hmm. and said there's hope, yeah, right? 
Mm-hmm. Was it was that kind of a, a thread of that was a precursor maybe oh, yeah, to yeah, what was going to yeah, happen? Yeah, sorry. I mean, I, that's yeah. you know my higher power comment. Like I, that's that was my first exposure to it. You mm-hmm. know, but I you know the twelve steps really led me, showed me how to stay in touch with that yeah. thing that spoke to me. Yeah, it actualizes uh, our our faith in a way. It actualizes yeah, our yeah, journey. Yeah, yeah. It makes it concrete. Yeah, definitely. especially when you do inventory. And then fifth step, confession, admission, character defect work. And then somebody says, okay, now we're going to make a list of everybody we've harmed mm-hmm. and go apologize yeah. <laughs> and make amends to them all. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That begins <laughs> to actually actualize it, I yeah. think. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah all, all the steps, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So when I met you like three years ago, I mm-hmm. think uh, I noticed you. You mentioned early in the show today you just threw out the letters APC, which stands for the Addiction Prevention Coalition, yeah. right? And so you're now employed there. We'll talk about that. But when I met you, you were volunteering oh, yeah. a lot. Uh, in fact, I think I saw you at the In Heroin Birmingham walk about uh-huh. three years ago, and you were at the table volunteering and helping, talking to folks coming up looking for help, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was part of your, I guess, what, 12-step, giving back, service, volunteering, that yeah, type of thing? well, not, you know, the spirit of the 12 step yeah. for sure. I wasn't there to pick up sponsees or, or no, no, like no, just sponsors, a sense of, I need to start yeah, doing exactly, something with this. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, uh, that was cause like I wanted, I don't, you know, I wanted to sponsor people, but it, you don't, the steps don't, you don't work the steps only in the rooms, mm-hmm. you know, um, 99% of it is worked outside of the rooms. Yes. So the, so the principles of each step, um, or the, or the, um, whatever you want to call it, the values of each step, the prin- the yeah, principles, yeah, yeah. um, like with a 12 step, that service right. P- back. pushes you outward. Yeah. There has to be some type of action to go with what's been inner has to become outer. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, so you, I think you had said before, okay, you began looking for places where you could connect and serve and somebody pointed out. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So when I was in treatments, that's really how it started. When I was in treatments at UAB, uh, I think I was an outpatient at this point, but I remember thinking, like, I I need to start pushing back into the stream of life, which, you know, those are words I didn't know until I read the big book. book, But that's the feeling I had. You know, how do I – I've been taking, 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 taking – for so long, um, how do I give? You know. Yeah. Um, so I went. What well, comes uh, around to us must go around, or it won't come back around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I went to the counselor. One of the counselors I was like, "Hey, I'm looking for somewhere to volunteer. I don't really care where. I just want to volunteer." And she was like, "Well, maybe you should care. Where would you like to volunteer?" <laughs> and I was like, "Well, what you got? You know, I don't soup kitchen what and." And she told me, and 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 that we we talked, and she was like, "I think you should reach out to the APC." Um, so I did, and I and Carrie was there working at the time, and um, so I reached out, and, and at first they just were like, "Whatever we need your help with, are you okay with help?" I was like, "Yes, absolutely, whatever it is," and then eventually, um they asked me to run one of their in focus student groups, which is basically mm-hmm. in focus groups are like um, student led round tables, usually once or twice a month um, facilitated by either a volunteer or usually an APC employee. 
and they're supposed to talk about different risk factors and risk behaviors and how they can catalyst issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what'd you think about that? Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why do you I, think, why do you think that is? Is there something about students or something? Um, that, uh, well, I, well, at least then, and I, this is still a reason why I love it, but then that was the first time, cause I hadn't sponsored anyone yet at that point. Um, at that point, you know, I was like a year and a half clean and sober and I was trying to find someone to sponsor, but you can't force that to happen. Mm-hmm. But so that was my first experience where suddenly all the stupid crap I had done, I was able to use that for good. You know, and show some which is a, which is time. one of the twelve promises, right? No yeah. matter how far we go down, that that experience actually will help somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the first time I experienced that because actually, it's funny. I was running the group at Altamont, and that was earlier. That school that I transferred to, or or whatever, was Altamont. No way. Yeah. And um, I got kicked out of there. Uh, it's seventh grade, which uh, a note to all students in seventh grade who might be listening to this. If you have a D in Spanish all year and then you turn in a perfect Spanish paper at the end, might not <laughs> at the end of the year, your teacher's going to notice that. So, yeah, I play, I, play, I plagiarized an entire paper and, and I'd already kind of been on thin ice and they're like, you, you can't You're stay gone. here, dude. Yeah. So, so you end back up in Altamont running one of these groups. Yeah, I know. Interesting. I know. And yeah. I, and it's so funny. The first time I showed up, I was like, please, God, don't let there be any te- <laughs> teachers that knew me. <laughs> any, I was like, I already know. I looked at the website. The headmaster isn't there anymore. It's a different one. So I was yeah. like, so there's bullet one. That's let me check dodged. the Spanish teacher. Yeah, and yeah. of course, I'm sitting in the lobby, and, and it was a Spanish teacher, not the Spanish teacher that I had, but a <laughs> Spanish teacher from when I was there walks in, and not only was I like, uh, hey, and sh- but she recognized me and remembered me. I was like, this is off to a great start. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you so, doing here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We kicked you out. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but no, the group was awesome. Um, and then I started working at a treatment center in town, um, finished up graduate school and got a promotion. And then Carrie, I, and I'd been volunteering with the APC throughout all of that. Um, and Carrie... Carrie had been looking for a way to get me on to the APC. She like came to me with one or two opportunities and she was like, I don't know if you, this you'll get this or not, but just apply and I'll see what I can do. Um, it didn't work out. And then she came to me with one, I guess it was March of this year. Um, God, it seems so long ago, but March of this year. And she was like, Hey, this is a job we just created. I really think you should look at it. And I did, and I re- I read half of it, and I was like, "This is it, this is what I got. I have to take this." Um, wasn't easy to do that because, mind you, I just finished grad school and promote and got a promotion. Yeah. Um, but when I when I feel that sense of conviction about something, I can't go against it. You know, I have to. I have to. Which is which is it. interesting. Uh, and again, I want to be careful here. I don't want to draw straight lines to things that don't have them, but maybe a dotted line because in Enneagram theory, it, it, as a type four, part of your integration from the heart is into the type one in the body, which is the will to do, mm-hmm. the action or the will to do. They know what to do and they do it. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you were tapping into that about. My wife, by the way, is one for the listeners oh, out there. You, you, oh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Why aren't you doing something? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like almost that connection, that reintegration of that part of you that was essence at one 
and you just knew I've got to do this. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I knew, but it was more of a intuition or a, a gut feeling, and mm-hmm. it was all the, all the the whole enneagram, all the enneagrams are it all. It was yeah. My emotions knew, my intuition knew, my head knew. It just there you knew. go. The three inter- easy, yeah. There you go. Super well. It was easy to know. It wasn't easy to to take the to action because I. It, I was scared. I, these people, you know, I just, they had trusted me, give me yeah, promotion. giving you that job. And, um, right. But it, it went very well. It was a smooth transition. Um, and it's been the easily the best job I've ever had. Um, and so what I do, which real quick, I'll, I'll say what I do. Um, I'm the prevention program coordinator there at the APC. So one big grant in particular that we have from the federal government or SAMHSA um, is for the city of Birmingham and it's to increase um, prevention capacity in the city of Birmingham and and prevention infrastructure. So um, a lot, I I coordinate the prevention programs from this. So it was an example then what we did Friday when I volunteered and you were running that, which was an event. Describe that event because it's it's very practical. It is, it is, but like I, oh, so, so. Because prevention is hard to measure. Yeah, it is. (laughs) How do you, how do you measure when you you prevent something? I know it's, it's a um, conundrum, I guess you could say, but um, so yeah, we had a pop-up resource fair this past Friday in uh, five points, that is something that I'm in charge of. Uh, one of my, one of the things I'm responsible for, one of my duties. Um, but let me run real quick. I'll get to that because it, I love that event so much. It was beautiful. But the other stuff I do, um, for example, like early intervention or, or um, work with the alternatives, the Birmingham City Alternative School, get in there, do some programming with those kids, whether they're in trouble for substance use or not. Um, I do uh, adolescent peer work with UAB's adolescent uh, treatment program, wow. which I love. Yeah. So you're uh, kind of re-entering the story back, kind of where you went off the rails. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that. So that's like that was that feeling I had from Altamont, but even more specific because now, you know, I could talk about I started using when they I was their age. I started getting high when I was their age. I started doing stupid stuff. All, all so now I can tell them that you know, and it's hard to reach those kids. Adolescence is a very specific population that requires like a very specific skill set or experience to really break through their arrogance. Which I love, by the way. I get a huge kick out of it. How arrogant those kids are! <laughs> it's so funny to me. But it, it's very difficult to break through that and actually help them and have them trust you and listen to you. Uh, and when they do, it's amazing. Um, so anyways, uh, so that I mentioned, uh, the alternative school pop-up resource fairs, um, honestly, anything that Carrie or any of my teammates ask me to do or need help with, I'm on board with it. Yeah. Um, one of the things I liked about Friday, which was what your team had put together yeah, and the you had put together there. that pop-up, uh, out in the open there. Uh, in an area where there are a lot of folks that are struggling with substance use disorder or mental health issues mm-hmm. and homeless. And then is the way y'all were able to draw so many different resources to that one spot. Uh, it's not just about substance use prevention and recovery. It is, but you also had folks there screening for HIV AIDS, right? 
Yeah, uh, mental housing, housing resources, food, uh, resources. Food resor- fed people that day, mm-hmm. but also we're trying to steer them toward resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the guys, um, w- one of the local HA chapters oh, yeah. was there. Yeah, they, yeah. so side note, they kind of snuck in on yeah, that, yeah. but they're my people. So here's what happened. Like early last week, I sent out an email, or, or, or no, we had, we had like kind of plastered our social media with pop-up resource fair this Friday, and, and uh, a friend of mine from HA who runs the like the public information committee, mm-hmm. he, was, he texted, or he called me, and I couldn't answer, and he texted me, and he said, hey, <laughs> Uh, do we need to bring a table? And I was like, no, dude, I've told you all this a thousand times. You bring your own table. And then I, he was like, what else? And I made a joke and I was like, and heroin, bring heroin too. But no. Um, but then after, after like an hour, I was like, did I, did I invite them? You know, I was like, I don't think I did, but what the hell? Come on. <laughs> you know, cause I'd already, we were out of spots. Like I, I had, I was concerned about alienating any of our usual partners. Yeah. But here's the thing, um, fancy uh, treatment centers, as good as they are, were not appropriate. Yeah, for that spot. spot. Uh, plus, there really was – I mean, it worked perfectly, um, but there was – Because you were having you, to respect n- the, the, the public space yeah. there around the church and around the other businesses, yeah. and for the city of Birmingham, it's, it's restricted. Yeah, 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 there was no more space. Would you agree? Yeah, I, I, I totally. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but, yeah, H.A. snuck in. I was like, but you know what? Um, I know firsthand how many people are struggling with heroin that are going to be there that live in that area. So yeah, come on. But anyways, um, I just loved, you know, the first one of these that I did back in June, um, that was a new experience for me, not only professionally, but also just seeing that, seeing stuff like that happen, seeing these people that their lives were just hopelessness every day. Their lives were despair. Their lives were depression. Which which is where you had been. Yeah, yeah. To see them, you know, at that first one, walk up and seek out these resources. Now, again, I noticed at that one that those weren't the appropriate resources. So I was determined, like like nothing you've ever seen, to make sure that this one had the more appropriate resources. And we did. And they all, the ones that were willing to, to reach out and go up and meet, most of the folks that brought a resource, like for the Narcan, for mm-hmm. for example, that was there, they did naloxone training, they were pretty much out at the end of it. Yeah. It, the food it, yeah. was pretty much out. The, right. Um, the clothing that was brought was out. Yeah. So that tells me that we brought the right resources and the people wanted it and they were served. You know, yeah. there were some people... They weren't interested. That's fine. We're. I realize we're coming onto your turf. Yeah. So we're going to be respectful if you want to come to us. That's but, good. Um, but it wasn't just for addiction. You know, I went up earlier in the week to put up flyers, and I was going up to the folks that were living in that area personally and telling them about it. And I didn't want them. I was like, "We're having a resource fair," and they're like, "Where are you from?" And I was like, "Addiction Prevention Coalition." I was like. But I don't assume you're an addict, you know, like <laughs> yeah. there will be other stuff too. Like I yeah. didn't want them to get, uh, feel like I was pegging them, yeah. you know. And I um, think, I think y'all were able to even do some COVID vaccination, COVID education, vaccine, education yeah. services. There's a lot going uh, on on that COVID corner. Testing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I'm glad y'all were, at, you know, with the pandemic lifting, y'all were able to get out and be face to face, you know, uh, with folks, which is 
part of y'all's motto anyway, mm-hmm. fighting addiction face-to-face. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to have to close here in a minute, and I hate to bring this up, ever, but, you know, this Saturday is... Oh, uh, God, yeah. Uh, melancholy. Bought, here's the thing. This is I talked earlier. <laughs> people, about people out there are like, "What the hell is he talking?" So this is the Iron Bowl week, which means Auburn and Alabama are playing mm-hmm. this week, and I'm I'm a little worried about you. Ah, uh, you because should, we're 21 no. points. Well, here's the yeah, and, yeah, should be. I if I were still a gambling man, I would unload on that. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't gamble anymore. Yeah, that was yeah. a process yeah. addiction me for for me for a while. I don't gamble anymore. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, uh, I'm talking like. Years back, I don't, I haven't gambled in many years, but I would, I would probably put like a thousand dollars on that. Um, Auburn and the points. Yeah, yeah. Taking twenty-one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, anyway. So there's, there's a possibility you're still not thinking clearly. Am I hearing? <laughs> is that what you're? Saying? No, no. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying, I would take Alabama. Oh, they and would, give the twenty-one. Yeah, give okay, the twenty-one. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, they would. Okay. I think y'all All are right. going to win by like thirty-five points. Maybe. Okay, so you are thinking so a little more. Clearly. I am thinking, okay. but, right. but yeah, uh, the Iron Bowl's this Saturday, and do we early. need to do an intervention, a soft <laughs> intervention for you I, to have resources around I, you? Or I, I say that, and year, it could be me, you yeah. know, that needs it. Um, yeah. The the opt you know I mentioned after the LSU game I was like I'm gonna try optimism, well then Auburn actually played good for a few weeks and it looked like at the time that the Iron Bowl could was decide good. who goes to the SEC championship so I bought tickets, yeah I bought <laughs> 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 I bought two tickets have you gotten rid of those Bowl. do you I, still have those because <laughs> I do and if okay. So my brother, who is an Auburn fan, he loves Auburn. He's not really – he doesn't follow it as closely as me, which most people don't. But, like, he <laughs> like he went to – he did go to the national championship that Auburn played in in 2013. Um, and he lo- – like, he loves Lost Auburn. Lost in the but, last second and, of Florida yeah, State. Yeah, last second, though. Yes. Last second. Melancholy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, – but I told him when I got the tickets, I was like, hey, do you want to come with me? He's never actually been to an Auburn game. Yeah. So – if he bails, then I might sell you the tickets. Otherwise, I'm going to go with him and let him experience. Because it will be fun for the first That's tr- 10 minutes. Yeah. Hey, so, you never know. Down there, anything can happen. That is true. I was telling my roommate, who's an Alabama fan, that there's – I swear, whenever y'all come in to play the Iron Bowl in Auburn, some Auburn fan in Louisiana has a voodoo doll that they yes. – and some potions, and they uh-huh. sprinkled it on the field yeah. with their spirit or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, we can pretend we're not scared, but we are a little scared <laughs> about this. Yeah. All right, so, gosh, man, we could go. We'll have you back because sure. there's some other things I want to talk about. Uh, uh, just that wise hope phrase that you mm-hmm. – earlier. Yeah, wise yeah. Hope. So, um, how do you think about that now? Like, with your own recovery, mm. the prevention work you're doing with folks, the sponsoring – and that thing, uh, what? How does that phrase hit you now? What does it mean to well, you? Well, okay. So when I think of wise hope, um, I think of you know the connection I have from a higher power. When I when I am when I'm spiritually fit, um, I feel wise hope, and what that feels like is harmony, basically. So there was a reason for everything that is happening and they connect somehow. I'll give you an example. Um, so one thing that the APC is doing um, is this week, we're bringing some food trucks to the fellowship house just for Thanksgiving, just celebration. Yeah. Um, 
that was my idea in a meeting. Now I, I, they took it and ran with it. I'm not. I'm just saying that was my idea. There's a guy that I've been sponsoring on and off who's at the fellowship house, and I hadn't heard from him in a while. Um, and he called me yesterday. And he's like, "Man, I'm really struggling. I, I've got a case of the efforts." Um, mm -hmm. I was like, "Well, okay, let's triage this. Where are you?" What's going on? He said he's still there, and he finally finished the book, so we're going to start and work the steps. And I told him at the time, I was like, I'll come to the fellowship house on Wednesday um, to meet you to, to start. And that's when we're doing the food truck thing. So, and last night, I, you know, aside from the Auburn stuff, I wasn't the most spiritually fit over the weekend, but I, I was coming around last night. And I was laying there watching some stupid movie. It wasn't that good. And I had this realization. I was like, oh, my God. That the harmony there and how that unfolded, you know, that that idea came to me, which it just happened in a meeting three months ago before I knew this dude. And he's still there. We're bringing this food to them that surely is going to make his day. He reaches out to me, and I tell him Wednesday without thinking what's on Wednesday you know, you see what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. Things but, are connecting. Yeah, but so there's harmony in that, but also like um, wise hope. What I mean is when I'm able to spot, okay, I'm in, I'm in this resentment or I'm in whatever because of what something I did, not anybody else. So the hope is I have a solution to work out of that, and the, the wisdom is spotting that it was me that caused it. So then I have that feeling of wise hope where like, okay, if I'm able to work the program um, and get out of myself and help others, there's serenity on the other side of that. There's joy on the other side of that. There's harmony on the other side of that. So that's kind of Sweet. an elaboration. That's awesome. Yeah. That's good. Well, Edward, thanks for spending so much time up here this morning mm -hmm. and uh, sharing your story. And uh, we'll get you back up here soon because there's so many other threads we could pull on this and, and where y'all are headed at APC. With that note, guys, we'll say goodbye. Join us next time for another episode of How's That Working For You.